Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, starting with the association. Another bad weekend for fans acting like idiots at NBA games. There was that moron who threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving in Boston. There was the idiot who did this in D.C. With the rebound, he's got 11. He's got a double-double tonight. Oh, my goodness. What is going on? Right on the floor. And a diving tackle by the security with 3.40 to go here in the third. The Redskins better look into hiring that man right there. <laughs> what a tackle there by the security. Well, and look how far the guy had to run. You know, there's a limited viewing. And they've taken out all the end zone seats, and quickly he is off the floor, and great job by the security in Washington. Don't know what that fan did, but he did something to get tackled like that. Beautiful. Hey, Reg, you know it is the Washington football team right now, right? Anyway, you never want to see a moron on the field or on the court. But if it does happen, it's best that it happens with the legend Kevin Harlan on the call because he's going to give you history. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. If you've got a moron doing moron things, you best have an icon on the mic to call it all out. But speaking of moron things, why don't we go back to Boston? Because Game 4 of the Nets-Celtics series really brought out some moronic actions and some even more moronic takes in the aftermath. So there was Kyrie appearing to go out of his way to step on the Celtics logo at midcourt after Brooklyn's 141-126 to beatdown. Yes, that was incredibly childish and it was dumb. Honestly, childish as hell. I know Kyrie did not have a good time in Boston. I know that Kyrie's teammates did not have a good time with Kyrie in Boston. But there was nothing more high school, more amateur than stepping on the other team's logo and thinking that you've made some kind of amazing statement, that you've just sent a message, that somebody just got badly roasted. Like, dang, he went there. This cat is a savage. He just stepped on the painted face of an imaginary character. Dude, insane burn. Respect, Kyrie. Yeah, not really. In fact, not at all. I don't know if he had that locked and loaded for a while. I don't know if that was a sport of the moment thing, but either way, it was a moron thing. Believe this, that did not come off nearly as cool as it sounded in your head. And in your head, you were probably thinking, man, this is going to be so badass. When in reality, it was just lame. Nothing cool or badass about that at all. Like I said, that's just some high school bleep. High school bleep. But somehow, it wasn't even the dumbest and most juvenile thing that happened. Because some idiot in the stands threw a water bottle at him and nearly hit him as he was walking to the tunnel. That loser was arrested and charged with assault and battery by means of a dangerous weapon, as he should be. And per always, I certainly hope that that was worth it, moron. Although I know it wasn't. And they should have hit that loser with an additional charge and extra time for extreme stupidity. But the dumb just kept right on coming. That's not all. Then you have Big Baby Davis jumping in on Instagram to say the following, quote, real bull bleep, 
like I said, you step on Lucky, you step on everybody that played for that team. Keep the bleep basketball before somebody get hurt in real life. End quote. Wow. All right, first things first. The mascot's name is Lucky? It is? That thing's got a name. Since when? Yeah, never mind. Don't answer. I don't care. What I do care about is the fact that Baby said, I care what Baby said about stepping on Lucky. That might be even dumber than stepping on Lucky in the first place. What he said about stepping on Lucky is dumber than actually stepping on Lucky. You're telling me that if you step on the painted face of a made-up character, that you're really stepping on the face of Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish. I mean, is that what you're saying? If that is what you're saying, man, get the hell out of here with that junk. That is legitimately one of the dumber things I've ever heard. Did that dude with the shamrock vest, the shoes with the buckles, the pipe in his mouth, did he drop 20 and 10 per game back in the day and I somehow missed that? Did he rock that bow tie on court during games? Did he roll up the sleeves on his long sleeve shirt when he dunked and threw down on the opposition? Did he play lockdown D with that black derby hat? Was that allowed during games? Did he break out that weird wink after knocking down a three in somebody's face? It's not Bob Cousy's face on the floor. It's not the face of Casey Jones or Dave Cowens or Reggie Lewis. I mean, yeah, again, that was a dumb, petty high school move by Kyrie. And it sure as hell isn't a reason to throw a water bottle or better yet, threaten somebody with the hands or threaten to hurt somebody in real life. But this was not only a big baby thing. Davis was not the only one. Then you've got Kevin Garnett, the Hall of Famer, who also was bent. He posted, quote, So, nobody going to say anything about Kyrie stomping Lucky. We're just going to act like we didn't see that. TF going on. End of quote. And then he continued before closing out with, quote, I'm just saying... And then he threw in a happy Memorial Day at the end. Again, I I can't believe that they just keep name-checking Lucky. Because I didn't know that Lucky was a thing or a name. Anyway, back to KG now. Like, I've got a ton of respect for Kevin Garnett. One of the most intense competitors to ever step on the court. One of the last people on the planet that I ever want to disagree with. Except we are going to disagree. Because yes, again... Dumb as hell, childish as hell for Kyrie to step on the logo. I have no idea why or how a future Hall of Famer thought that was a good idea and a cool statement. And yes, 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 Kyrie in Boston was a complete and unmitigated disaster. And I don't know all the ins and outs, but there is plenty of blame to go around. And I'm guessing a lot of hurt feelings. And it's no coincidence that the Celtics were better before Kyrie got there and then got good again once he left. And I'm sure that's got to bother Kyrie a lot. He wanted to get out of Cleveland. He wanted to get out of LeBron's shadow. He wanted to be Batman and found out he's Robin. So yes, I understand where he might be looking to make a statement now that he's back in town playing in front of fans for the first time. But the statement you make when you step on the logo, is that you're a, well, I don't know, you're a big baby. 
almost as big a baby as Big Baby himself. I mean, that's the guy who was asking everybody to take the high road before game three. That guy. Yeah, I, I get that we all contain multitudes, but man, that really is pretty idiotic. And if he had been alone on Idiot Island, he would have been, if not for some dumbass in a Kevin Garnett jersey with a water bottle, and if it weren't for Kevin Garnett himself and Big Baby. Because, finally, them being offended about stepping on the logo is as dumb as Kyrie stepping on the logo in the first place. Kyrie stepping on that logo is not stepping on the history of the Boston Celtics. He didn't rip down the championship banners and all the retired numbers and then take a leak on them. That's not what he did. He stepped on a part of the parquet that's painted differently than the rest of it. That's it. And going all get off my lawn with it makes you as dumb as he is. As for the fans who've been acting like losers for the past week, can I go ahead and knock that off too? Kevin Durant said it, quote, These men are human. You know, we're not animals. We're not in a circus. You coming to the game is not all about you as a fan. So have some respect for the game. Have some respect for these human beings. And have some respect for yourself. Your mother wouldn't be proud of you throwing water bottles at, at basketball players or spitting on players or tossing popcorn. So grow the up and enjoy the game. You know, it's bigger than you. It's been a long time since I thought to myself after hearing Kevin Durant, damn, that's right, KD. But damn, that's right, KD. He nailed that. And you know what? That also goes... That also goes for anyone who steps on a logo and anybody who gets bent that somebody else stepped on a logo. All of the above. Grow the hell up. So are you feeling the stress of daily life? Do not let that stress weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me, just trying to make it through a day tension-free, I've got your solution, Theragun. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I'm telling you, this product is amazing. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or an injury, or just relieve the stresses of everyday life, there simply is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The old screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site, check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. And Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers just like me and you. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash Rome. Theragun.com slash Rome. Do it right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. I'm telling you, this product is amazing. Theragun.com slash Rome. Theragun.com slash Rome. My guest is Andrew Checkets. Andrew, what's going on? How are you? Good, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Listen, great to have you on. Let me start right here. You beat Cal State Bakersfield Sunday to cap off a sweep. You extend your winning streak to eight straight. Then you had the selection show yesterday. I'm curious, going into the selection show itself, what kind of thoughts and emotions did you have? 
Yeah, not a lot of sleep. Um, we've <laughs> right. You know, on the, on the West Coast, we've seen that go sideways, and our you know our our resume was very similar to Irvine's in '19 when they finished behind us in conference. Um, I think they had 38 wins and a you know a, a mid 50s RPI and got got left out, and so we were a little nervous going into it that that could. Uh, that could happen again. We felt like the guys had done what they needed to do and were a you know, regional caliber team and, and worthy, but uh, um, history at times hasn't been super kind to um, West Coast teams. So not a lot of sleep, pretty nervous, um, trying to keep it together, but uh, it was pretty exciting when we heard our name our name called. Andrew Chekets is joining us. All right, so I hear that. Believe it or not, the first text that I received yesterday, or I should say Sunday morning, was from none other than the legend that is Matt Holiday. Because, as I mentioned, you're going to face Oklahoma State. You're also in the same regional as Grand Canyon University in Arizona. So what are your early thoughts on the talent in that region and the matchup with the Cowboys? You're talking about the talent on the coaching staff from a playing ability? Yeah, right. Robin Ventura. And <laughs> Crazy, right? But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the worst player uh, in the dugout. So um, <laughs> Yeah, but the best yeah. coach. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, well, you know, know. It's in 16, in, you know, in 16... You know, we opened with uh, we opened with Hokie State in the World Series, and then Arizona was obviously in our our our, our bracket there. So uh, seeing that, it felt like yeah, maybe we got another shot at it. Um, we've got some good pitchers. I don't know if we have Shane Bieber um, if he can come back and throw you know eight innings against Hokie State again. But uh, yeah, they're they're good. Um, you know, I, I do think it's um, probably the the most difficult regional on the in in the country this year, especially when you throw Grand Canyon in there, won you know thirty nine forty games uh, as a four seed, and you know they're good enough to to compete in you know any of those conferences that uh, that are sending representatives to that regional. So it's going to be a battle for sure. Andrew Chekets is joining us. All right, you mentioned your arms, so let me ask you about Rodney Boone. He was named the Big West Pitcher of the Week yesterday. That's the third time this year he's gotten that honor. He went eight shutout innings on Saturday, punched out 12 guys. He's now third in career strikeouts at UCSB. How good has he been for you this season? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's an A-plus wiffle ball pitcher, um, and he gets a, a ton of swings and misses on the fastball and the changeup, and he's been good since he got here. He's a freshman All-American and was the Big West Conference. Uh, freshman pitcher of the year um you know he was he was on pat on pace last year to to repeat that um he got up to a little bit of a slow start this year coming back from some of the you know the covid covid shutdowns um but you know even his you know even his c games you know he's gone out there and and won and, and punched out a lot of guys even when he hasn't had his you know his a stuff so um he he's good he's talented um and he, you know, he's he's really done it, and the the swing and miss rates because it, it's not like he throws at a hundred. Um, you know, McGreevy, our other starters, got you know a much better fastball radar gun, um, but he he gets he gets swings and misses. It's that old Bugs Bunny changeup. I don't know if you see that one where the guy swings five times for his home plate, and um, he he's got some of that in him. I love it. Andrew Sheck is joining us. All right, since you mentioned McGreevy, Michael McGreevy, he went 9-1 this year, 109 strikeouts in 95 innings. How much has he grown as a pitcher since he arrived on campus? Well, when he came in, he was a strike thrower. He was athletic. He was a two-way guy. We didn't even know when we recruited him whether he was going to be a you know a shortstop or a, um, a pitcher. And it, kind of similar, I, I coached Joe Kelly at Riverside. Joe um, converted uh, when he was there and very similar in the athleticism, you know, not knowing exactly where they would end up. Um, and I always thought, um, you know, with, 
McGreevy and even with Joe, that if they were just a position player, they would end up being a starting Division One position player because of the athleticism. So he had that when he came in. He, he pounded strikes. He just he's grown a lot physically. He, you know, he's, he probably weighs thirty pounds more than he uh, did when he got here. The velocity's crept up with the, the added physicality. Um, he's still maintained the pitch abilities. Developed uh, two more breaking balls um, to add to his repertoire, um, and he's he's turned into a complete pitcher and. You know, I think it's probably likely that we'll hear his, his name called in the first round this year. We're talking UCSB baseball. Andrew Checkets <laughs> is the head coach. You know, you mentioned COVID, so I'm kind of curious. 2020 was a year where you had a lot of turnover. You lost seven of your nine starters. Some of the guys coming back were dealing with injuries. So how would you describe the way everybody responded to the challenge last year? And did that help lay the foundation for the success you've had this year? Yeah, it was. I think it was a double-edged sword. The The positive is that the expectations weren't very high uh, last year, and the guys I thought really overperformed the expectations. I think we were, we were thirteen and two, and um, you know played really well, went five and zero against the pack, and um, and the, and had some guys really emerge. And I, I, you know, I think it was good that they got those opportunities. But I, I think also going into this year a little bit, especially early, you know, I think they they maybe had focused on that success a little bit too much, and. Uh, maybe got a little overconfident. And then we got punched in the nose a little bit early, um, and our guys were stymied. They hadn't been punched in the nose yet. Didn't, we didn't really react great, and it took us a while to to put the pieces back together and really, you know, really get going. And you know, even you know, as of three weeks ago, we had a couple rough weeks, and uh, I was really proud of the guys how they bounced back after that to, to handle that adversity. And um, so, yeah, that, I think the I think the 2020 season gave the guys some belief, maybe a little more belief than. Uh, was necessary Um, and then the game you know as you know the game takes care of that pretty quick for you and you got to be able to respond and pick yourself back up and they've done a good job at that all right so I've made this pretty clear over time that I really don't root for anybody or anything other than something to talk about they pay me to be objective I've done this speech a million times the only things I actually root for are my kids my horses and my alma mater so I want to pose the question this way because of the success you've had at UCSB your name always comes up for other jobs and I'll be honest Andrew I always I always sweat that by the way, you've had chances to leave, but you've always stayed. Why is that? What is it about UC Santa Barbara that is so special to you? What keeps you there? Yeah, I mean, you know, being here, I mean, you know, one is the community and, you know, the environment. I'm fortunate to live in a place that people vacation to. Um, and my family loves that. And I think there's some quality of life that's built in. I think being a, you know, a Division One head baseball coach, quality of life is not uh, something that's built into that job uh, and balance and all of those things. And so I, I think, I, I think there's for as hard as that is defined in college athletics, I think I've found a spot where there is some of that. I can walk my kids to their elementary school, you know, two blocks away from my house. I walk into work every day. Um, I can walk in on the beach when I want. I think we've got a lot to offer student athletes whether that's weather location you know top 10 public institution in the country academically um i think we have a lot to recruit to uh, as well and um i think we have you know we have a lot uh, a lot to offer kids and, and can create a, a an environment and a competitive program if i didn't think we had a chance to win if i felt like um you know we, we are we have been resource uh, poor um um but natural resource rich, you know, I think when you're talking about facilities and infrastructure and some of those things, um, we've worked really hard. We got the lights put in, we've made some adjustments with the, the playing surface and the ballpark. Um, we've gotten some more institutional support for, uh, salaries and some things like that. So we've grown, but we've, you know, we've got to continue to grow to keep up. Cause as you know, it's a, 
uh, it's an arms race out there, but um, I think we have enough, and I feel like we have enough to be competitive and be competitive on a, a, a national level, and um, that combined with the other things I mentioned with the, the, the quality of life and, and what this place means to my family uh, have kept us here. I could not have said that any better. You nailed that. That's exactly what that is. The natural resources are absolutely incredible. The institution from an academic standpoint is absolutely incredible. And the resources from a recruiting standpoint are getting better and better and better. Listen, there's no way you and I can have a conversation and not talk about Shane Bieber at some point. Last year, he won the Cy Young Award and the Pitching Triple Crown. This year, he leads the majors in strikeouts by a healthy margin as well. So when you watch him now, what kind of thoughts do you have? Uh, he's he, he's a pro's pro, and uh, we're so proud of him and what he's accomplished. And um, you know, when people people ask me about him, I think you know, yeah, there's the pitcher Shane Bieber, and then there's the person Shane Bieber, um, and we're equally proud of both of those. I think the way he's handled himself uh, in the locker room, the respect he has from his teammates, how he handles the media, um, all of those things that are are really difficult. He's he's kept his his uh, his head down and continue to work and get better and um you talk about somebody that is is continuing to improve and continuing to work i mean he developed i think he developed his breaking ball I, I don't want to speak for him but i think he developed his breaking ball once he got to the big leagues and you know that's the one that's you know put him over the hump um and so i we're yeah we're we're really proud of him and how he's handled handled himself and um you know excited for for the future for him as well. I was going to say, when you watch him then right now, like what are you most proud of when you see him and the way he handles his business and carries himself on and off the field? He's just got, he's got a truckload of poise, right. <laughs> a truckload of it, whether it's, um, and, and he, he had that here. He, he was, he makes clutch pitches um, and he made clutch pitches uh, when he was here. And I think that's the, that's the one on the field that you notice. And, you know, when he's in a jam, he's still in control. And I think what you see off the field is the humility. Um, and um, I think part of that's, you know, his parents and what amazing job they did raising him. And, um, and also, you know, being coming from, you know, somebody that wasn't, uh, um, you know, highly recruited and um, turning himself into, you know, not not only a good Division One baseball pitcher, but a you know a major league pitcher and a Cy Young Award winner. And, um, that's not an accident. That takes a lot of work and a lot of humility. And um, I don't I don't think the success uh, goes to his head. I think he he continues to work and grind. And um, I think that's why he's going to have a a lot of continued success. So one last thought. I love that phrase. He's got a truckload of poise. Is that something that you yourself can coach? Can you coach poise? Well, I think you know I think his guys get. Uh, experience they can improve that um, I think you know what by the time they get to us there's some things that are a little bit ingrained in them and it's a little bit more difficult um, to take somebody from zero to a hundred in the poise category um, but sure I think you can take somebody from you know 70 to 100 and they can get better at it and I think some of that comes along with skill and you know skill development and if the skill gets better the, the confidence uh, improves and, and and the poise improves. They feel like they can handle those situations, and they've got the they've got the weapons and the uh, to be able to get out of those jams. And I you know I think um, Shane has has grown in that area uh, as well. But you know so it's gone hand in hand with the skill level and with the you know the improved pitches and the improved velocity and all the things that he's done since he's he's left our program and, and gotten into professional baseball. 
UCSB wrapping up the regular season with eight straight wins. They play their way in. They're a three seed in the Tucson Regional. They take on Oklahoma State Friday at 1 p.m. You know I will be watching. The head coach there is Andrew Checkets. AC, appreciate you very much. Good luck on Friday. Great to have you back in the jungle. I will be watching closely. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for having me on. It is the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Dell's Summer Sale Event. Smack off 27, 24 days out. Just like that, we are back from the long holiday weekend, and we are that much closer to the main event. In terms of checkpoints on the countdown clock, we are now officially on the same calendar page as the main event itself. Friday, June 25th is exactly 24 days away. So not only are we bearing down on that quickly, as I have to always remind you, days are not the same as shows. Days and shows are two very different things. Friday, June 25th, is actually only 18 shows away, which means you only have 18 shows to do what you need to do to get ready, whether that's getting in some reps, maybe showing up for an RSVP, ripping a golden ticket to the big stage. It is go time. 18 shows left. So, before I get to today's player profile, let me once again remind you that for the fourth straight year, the Smack Off is going to be simulcast on TV. And our partners at CBS Sports Network do an incredible job with that broadcast. They get it, they understand it, they make it so much better. Back in 2019, there were also various watch parties across the country at bars and restaurants that opened early just to show it on TV. If you're hosting one of those again, you want to make sure you hit me up so I can help you publicize the event. Let me know. Email me all the details at rome at habitake.com. I'll make sure that I help you get the word out. Do not sleep on this. If this is something you're going to do, if you've got a bar or a restaurant, you want to act on that pretty quickly because that day is coming fast. The clock is spinning quickly. With all that said, let's get to today's player profile. The smack-off caller who is about to get the treatment right now is in fact responsible for one of the more famous pieces of sound that you've heard on this show in recent years. This piece of audio is from his 2016 rookie smack-off call, and you should recognize it the very second you hear it. Conor McGregor, you're the most overrated athlete I've ever seen in my entire life. You couldn't go two rounds against some out-of-shape tequila-drinking pothead, and you're the king of Dublin. Next time you fly to Las Vegas, I'll be waiting for you at the airport. Then I'm going to rip that beard off your face and make you eat it. Not that I needed to remind you, but that, of course, is... The voice belonging to Cal in Vegas. The threat to meet one of the best cage fighters ever. The threat to meet that same guy at the airport. And not only rip his beard off his face, but actually feed it to him. Is as absurd and outlandish and as misguided and arrogant as you could ever imagine. Yet this guy shows up, calls up, and delivers it very matter-of-factly with over-the-top confidence. 
Like, hey, Conor McGregor, you're overrated. I'll meet you at the airport, rip that beard right off your face, and make you eat it. Still waiting on that, Cal. But that clip is as good today as it was five years ago. In fact, it might be getting better with age. That thing actually is aging pretty well. Not that it would ever happen in a million years, but the sound in and of itself is actually aging pretty well. The thought of a guy in Vegas meeting Conor McGregor at the baggage carousel and ripping a beard off his face and feeding it to him. I'm going to rip that beard off your face and make you eat it. That might be the best he ever did that, but that's far from the only time he ever did that. In fact, that's one of about a dozen times the Cal in Vegas has threatened violence. Because essentially, violence is this guy's brand. And tell Chael, the next time I see him, I'm kicking his ass. I could tackle Marshawn Lynch. I'll grab him by the dreadlocks and slam him into the ground. Hey, Kyle, next time you're in Las Vegas, I'm kicking your ass. Stephen H-Town, I'm going to beat his ass too. Chael Sonnen, as soon as you get here, I'm slapping you. It's like I'll slap your sidekick right in the face, Charles Barkley. Charles... The next time I see you in Las Vegas, I'm going to splash my drink in your face. Then I'm going to throw you through a freaking window, you big fat fraud. Not sure why this dude is so angry. But he is. And violent. So, Cal in Vegas somehow has only appeared in two smack-offs. Which doesn't seem right, considering his debut event was back in 2016. Considering he's that violent. Considering he does have lines. And apparently hands. And wants to give them to you. But he's only been in the smack off twice. I played sound from his original attempt. The rookie attempt. And then he got in last year and he did this. Hey y'all, watch this. Jim, I couldn't believe the old gunslinger Brett Favre was bent because the Packers drafted a quarterback. Jordan Love is a straight up baller. Favre, your judgment stinks. That's why you got busted sending pics of your little dong to that lady that worked for the Jets. I told Percy I'd do this. Come on, Jared. Woo! Jim, you've been doing this smack-off thing for a long time. You got a bunch of old dudes hanging around this place. Guys like Stevie Carbone. Carbone's been around longer than Jim Leland. Steve, I think it's about time that you step down and retire. Next time you're in Vegas, I'll throw you a smack-off retirement party. We'll do it at the Spearmint Rhino. You'd like that, you old pervert. Another old dude creeping around this place is Silkbag. Silk's the king of lame scopes. Silk, you make wood scopes seem funny and entertaining. Silk, do us all a favor. The next time you shoot a scope, put a shirt on. No one wants to open up their Twitter app to look at some old man's great chest hairs. Every scope is the same. You're falling down drunk and talking about stuff nobody cares about. Another old man hanging around this place is Caleb in Green Bay. Caleb is 35, going on 85. Leb's so ugly, his proctologist stuck his finger in his mouth. Wow. So, believe it or not, that call didn't even crack the top 10. That's how deep the smack-off is each and every single year. Now, you might argue that that call should have hit the board. And by hitting the board, I mean top 10. In hindsight, I might even listen to that argument because hearing that back, I'm even asking myself, how did that not make the top 10? I mean, there is some merit there. Either way, it didn't, but there is no argument. It was not good enough to actually win, and that's really all that matters around here. 
So the one thing you have to respect about Cal is that he does not lay out the entire year. This is not one of those guys who shows up the day of and then never again. Smack-off season is a 12-month affair for Cal. Don't believe me? Ask my guy, ESPN's Jeff Passan. Passan got on the wrong side of Cal a few years back. Now, if you're new to the jungle, back when Jeff Passan was with Yahoo, he was a frequent guest on the show and, in fact, appeared in a couple of smack-offs and had a top-three finish. So that made him a target, and he and Cal had a back-and-forth. They had beef. They had a heated rivalry that went on for a number of months. Here is Cal's side of it. I don't know if Jeff thinks that he's the only clone with a career and a family, while the rest of us just sit in our bedrooms with a can of cheese balls in our lap. Jeff, you sound like a third grader. You said I can't read or count, and quote, pluck dingleberries. My dad can beat up your dad. Didn't want any of that. What's next, Jeff? I know you are, but what am I, Smack? Jeff, you also look like a third grader with that little pudgy freckle face, those giant elephant ears, and that $8 Leave it to Beaver supercut. Jeff, you get hooked easier than Odell Beckham Jr. That's because I'm that guy you grew up hating. The guy that played varsity sports, got a lot of chicks, and was invited to all the cool parties. While you sat in front of the TV on Saturday nights, popping your own zits and watching Skinamax with a jar of Vaseline. The only way you can contribute was writing lame articles for your school newspaper. Now you write lame articles for some website that I had no idea still existed. Yeah, now he reports for a huge network and gets a lot of airtime and a lot of run. <laughs> Either way, Cal in Vegas, man. I'm that guy you hated in high school. The guy who played sports and got all the chicks while you sat at home popping your zits Watching Skinamax with Vaseline. <laughs> I mean, dang, Cal. You think this guy's got much confidence? He's got the confidence of a five-time champ, despite, despite being a lifetime, two-time participant who's never once hit the board. But he's walking around like he's won it five times. He's walking around it like, like he's Rich Flores. has won all of them. That said... Man, I would not change a thing about this guy because regardless of what you think about him, his dude, as you can tell right now, this guy makes me laugh. He does. And the last time I checked, I was still the host, and this guy makes me laugh. You tell that little nerd, Alvin, to do his job and give me a golden ticket for crying out loud. I love how your producer, Adam Hawk, tries to sound like some tough guy when he answers the phone. Who's this? Matt says he gets down like Wilt Chamberlain in the bedroom. Wilt Chamberlain, you wish... More like AC Green. I created Smack Off Season. Before I got here, Smack Off Season was nothing but a couple of perverted RSVP calls. Danica from Jacksonville. Danica, they refer to you as the queen. The queen of what? The last thing you ruined was the first hour of the Smack Off. Keep Mike and Indy's name out of your mouth. He's my pitch. Maybe Jim can start up a women's Smack Off League featuring Jolene, Sarah T., and that little bitch, Brad and Corona. I'd like to congratulate Adam Hawk for finishing the L.A. Marathon. I mean, I guess you could call that running. And I was surprised at how well Keith Arnold did. Keith, you don't even look athletic with your little bird chest and that huge gut. Bodie and Perlin, you're a grown man that uses words like bubba and some bitch, really? Floyd Mayweather thinks you're illiterate. Dana White, you look just like Andre Agassi, except you're really big and fat. Dana, I love the way you stand in between the fighters that weigh in, like you could do something. Mike McCarthy. Hey, Mike, I hope you're in your car listening to me right now, you fat ass, and you can't coach. Mike, you have the brains 
How about pissing? Old man Rit doesn't have a care in the world. Just sitting back there crushing candy and flicking boogers all over the place. Like some two-year-old. Jim, I have to go. I got an elevator full of women coming up here to see me. And the smack off on the three-minute man, but in the bedroom, I'm all night. Brad, three of your titles don't really count because you won those BC before Cal. I'm Brad and Corona. I'm the smack off champ. I'll rip that crown off your head and beat you with it, bitch. Cal in Vegas. He just glossed a period of time BC before Cal. You're going to tell me, you're going to listen to that and you're going to tell me that the smack-off does not have a place for that guy. You're wrong. Man, this dude, I'm not saying this guy's going to win, right? Do I think Cal in Vegas has what it takes to win it all? Well, I would say on the one hand, I would not put anybody in the field who I didn't think that on their best day would have a good look at it. So, yes, I think the Cal in Vegas can win it all. We talk about this in horse racing all the time. We do not run horses in places where we do not think they can win. Same thing about the smack-off. I do not put people in who I don't think that on their very best day would at least have a shot, a look at it. But what's the matter what I think, right? Listen to that guy. Obviously, the only thing that matters is what he thinks. And trust me when I tell you, Not everybody knows that they can show up on that day. Not everybody thinks that they can show up on that day and win the day. Some in the field are just happy to be there. They know they're better than 99% of the other callers, but they also know they're not better than the 1% they're going up against on that day. I mean, let's be real. Some of you think that. Some of you are just happy to be here. Some of you might even make it better, but you know deep down you can't win. You know your best is not going to be Brad's best. You know your best isn't going to even beat Brad's B or B minus. Notice I'm not talking about Cal. Cal thinks he's already won. Cal's walking around telling people he's already won it five times. Cal is walking around saying he's the reason for the smack off. My man's up for a fight. Because he truly believes that he's kicked ass every time he's ever been in a fight. That he's won every fight he's ever been a part of, past, present, and future. Now, of course, perception and reality often are not one and the same. We're going to find out what the reality is on June 25th when it comes to Cal in Vegas. But listening to that body of work, he has done damage. He definitely has landed some blows. He's violent. He's got a pair of hands. And according to him, he's not afraid to use them. I'll rip that crown off your head. And beat beat you with with it, it, bitch. Yeah, I forgot the bitch. In other words, I'll rip, not me. Cal will rip that beard off your face and make you eat it. Cal will rip that crown off your head and beat you with it, bitch. Bitch. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. Jay Wright. Jay, it's been a minute or two since you and I have gotten together and spoken. How are you doing, Jay? How is life right about now? Doing great, buddy, man. It's good to talk to you. Um, 
Yeah, we usually we somehow get it done during the basketball season. Like, did we miss last year? I think that we did miss last year, but last year was a crazy year, Jay, as you know. So <laughs> I will take it whenever I can get it, and here you are right now. Listen, I mentioned, Jay, last month it was announced that you are a member of the Hall of Fame class of 2021. I got to know, like, what kind of emotions run through you when you receive news like that? It's definitely emotional, Jim. It, it is. Um, you know, they tell you months in advance that you're a finalist, and then they give you a date. Uh, a Wednesday that you'll get a call between 12 and 2. So, you know, you kind of you kind of wait, and, and then they, a couple weeks before that Wednesday, they tell you to hold the next weekend, uh, hold it open in case you have to come up to uh, Mohegan Sun and Springfield. So, you just, you know, you just wait for that call. And, and um, uh, Jerry Clenzo actually called 11.59. I wasn't even ready, and even though you know that, you're going to know one way or another. It's very, very emotional. It's not something you ever think you're going to hear. Um, and it meant a lot, especially coming from Jerry, having worked with him at USA Basketball. It was a nice emotional moment. And it was it was pretty cool. It's got to be amazing. Jay Wright joining us. I'm curious, though, Jay, like for a lot of people, when you go into the Hall of Fame, it's something that happens after you're done playing or coaching. So what's it like to be going into the Hall of Fame when you're in the middle of your career? Like, do you take a look back and reflect on everything you've accomplished, or do you just try to stay focused on the road ahead and stay in the moment? Yeah, that's a unique challenge, Jim, is that – you know, when, when when you get the call and then and then the, the next weekend we, we went up to the ceremony of O'Hegan's son for the 2020 class, uh, you know, when, when Kobe and those guys were inducted, um, you know, you, you get you, a, you answer a lot of questions. And it's all about your past. So it, it makes you stop in your tracks and start thinking about your career um, when normally every other day you're just thinking about the next day, getting your players ready, you know, and, uh, the next game. So, but once that weekend was over, you, you go back to just uh, next day. Like our guys come in tomorrow. I mean, they, they came in today. We can start working them out tomorrow. So we're we're thinking about next season, tomorrow's workouts, team meeting today. That that's where your mindset is now. Hall of Famer Jay Wright's joining us. Jay, you in the past, you and I have talked about some of your old buddies from back in the day in Churchville, guys like Bob Craig, <laughs> Mook, the fellas. Like they used to like to bust your chops no matter how much success you had. So what did they make of you going into the Hall of Fame? What was that chatter like at that point? First of all, every time you mention their name, man, I then I get killed. You're making them stars. They love it. Uh, that's great. That is and funny. It just gives them more it just gives them more material. Like I, I can't do a my I can't get on Jim Rome unless I mention their names. They got all they take everything for that. Now. Yeah, don't worry about that, Jay. But, I got them. I got their back. I will always mention Craig and Mook and the fellas. I got that. <laughs> I'll take care of that for you. They will love it. But they oh they just they bust my chops. Still can't beat we have a match, golf match, me and me and uh Bob Craig against Buff Raddick and Mook, and we can't beat them, and you can make the Hall of Fame and never beat us. It's not, there's no congratulations, none. I love that. Jay Wright's joining us. That's the best, man. That's what those guys do. That's who they are. I don't even know those guys, and I feel like I know those guys. You know, Jay, you've been <laughs> you really... You would love them. You would love them. For sure. I do already. You know, you've been really clear about the fact that your success is about the players who've been with you, but how would you describe the players that you want and the culture that you have developed? You know, it's it's a real interesting um, aspect of of our recruiting now, and I think where we've evolved and uh, hopefully gotten smarter in that um, 
our our recruiting isn't selling our program. Our recruiting is educating each player and his family as to, you know, what the path would be for them at, at Villanova, what the culture is at Villanova that we want them to be. We want them to desire to be the best players they can be, the best students they can be, the best men they can be, and want to be an NBA player, but still want all those other things, and you, and and that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna actually ask them to allow us to push them to their limits. And if, you know, if you, if you, if that's not the way you want to go through college, we get it. And that you can be successful other ways, but just let, let's make sure we're on the same page. If you come here, we've been really fortunate with guys that come in here and just let, let you coach them, you know, because you, you've done a good, if you, if we've done a good job educating them before they get here. Talking to Jay Wright. Jay, do you remember kind of what your mindset was when you were their age? For instance, when you look